From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio, episode 34, with Trevor Davis of Instanda. I'm Connor Sweetman, and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is changing insurance and about the people making it happen. For a lot of um, insurance companies, you know, they go back 10, 20, 30 years, um, and we haven't got the time or capacity to now do big 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 million projects to do it. So if you're looking to serve a new market and you're looking to actually make the economics and the uh, flexibility to it, then traditional methods, traditional platforms, traditional systems are not um, truly fit for purpose. My guest this week is Trevor Davis, Managing Director of Life and Health at Instanda. Instanda are a global insurtech platform working with insurers, brokers and reinsurers. Trevor and I speak about some of the exciting things that Instanda are doing, how IoT is going to become more and more prevalent in life and health, and about Trevor's decision in 2018 to move jobs from a large incumbent to an insurtech startup. Please enjoy. Trevor, you're very welcome to InsureTech Radio. A pleasure to be with you. So Trevor, tell me about Instanda. What do you guys do? I, I guess a little bit of background. Um, uh, so I, traditionally, I've come out of you know, big insurance companies, so uh, organizations like Swiss Re. Um, uh, and if you look at those, um, traditionally, they've, they've had big legacy systems, been very good at doing uh, mass selling of products, whether it be to individuals or to companies Um, and there one of the key things that I was struggling with was how do you create flexibility to offer new things or indeed the products and services that you do today in a way that um, distributors or customers or indeed companies would be able to buy and service them differently so in standard in its simplest form enables distributors, customers, and uh, insurance companies to buy, sell, and administer um, insurance services digitally um, over various channels. Cool. And you guys are a SaaS platform, is that right? Yeah. We, the, the, dip, the big difference between traditional platforms and ourselves is um, you'll hear a term no-code, low-code. Um, but what that means is um, if you, you look back over the last 20 years, you'll have seen many big projects where it requires IT to uh, build and configure and um, take many years to do it. What we do Mm. is we enable business people who typically are um, a business analyst type person to write the the business logic, if you like, in, in a no IT code way. And of course, the result of that is a great deal of flexibility. Um, and, Again, the language that um, everybody's using is speed to market. Yeah. Um, and one, you wrote an article there um, last, or I think it was in, within the mo- last month anyway, uh, called Injecting Life into Life and Health Industry. And you touched on that point. And, and also one of the other points that you touched on, um, which caught my eye, was you mentioned that one of the blockers to innovation uh, in the life and health industry is what you call a misguided perception of the feasibility of moving forward. And I was wondering if you could just elaborate a little bit on what you meant by that. So what are some of the misconceptions within the industry that might hinder innovation? Well, 
again, I think if you if you look at what the insurance industry does very well is it gets its products to a core set of individuals. But if you look at the way that um, we employ people these days, the you know the the uh, the gig economy. If you look at um, sectors of of the uh, of the marketplace, and particularly um, as you know we're going through these challenging times, we're seeing that there are sectors who are not able to be served by the insurance industry. Um, so I think one thing is is how do you get appropriate. Um, products and services to those who've traditionally not been served. And again, there's lots of articles about um, people in lower income brackets or uh, gig economy people or the changing nature of employment. So I think that that's one thing. The second thing is just the basic economics of um, being able to offer services in a way that is affordable. Um, And the existing uh, infrastructure that is in place, if for a lot of um, insurance companies, you know, they go back 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and we haven't got the time or capacity to now do big 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 million projects to do it. So if you're looking to serve a new market and you're looking to actually make the economics and the uh, flexibility to it, then traditional methods, traditional platforms, traditional systems are not um, truly fit for purpose. And what's driving, I suppose, outside of internal constraints? Are there kind of external factors that contribute to that economic element of it? Yes, uh, most definitely. Um, again, if you if you go and have a look at, let's take the say the car in- industry twenty thirty mm-hmm. years ago, you know, you had a, a broker who was offering, um, you know, a to intermediate. Um, then you went very quickly to the you know telephone online. And now we've got the likes of, you know, go compare and those kind of organizations. So the the ability to actually service the market and how to do it is definitely one factor that is changing. Um, the second factor is how people are offering and what people are offering. And you know, if you look at the likes of Vitality um, and you need, you know, some new organizations coming out such as Ulife, you know, they're actually offering services in a different way using um, digital technology and you know watches IoT as the basis for um, providing the service. So there's a sort of a general trend that has happened in other sectors over the last 10, 20, 30 years. But I think more importantly is um, people are, are struggling to understand how I, I'm being offered a pension, then I'm being offered a savings product, then I'm being offered life insurance, then I'm being offered health insurance actually people's lives don't work in these those nice buckets um you know you've got to a stage where you've got a job and you've got a family you've got a mortgage um you're going through a period where you're looking after your you know parents and grandparents the the life stages don't offer these things in nice buckets so the change of ability to offer and how it's offered is one big factor but the actual demand from people and businesses and organizations for not just buying monoline products is definitely forcing everybody to think differently. And can you give me an example of maybe some of the products you've helped develop uh, within Standard that kind of address those new behaviours and ways of purchasing life and health products? Uh, that, that's a fantastic question. Um, so literally recently, we've just gone live with um, uh, uh, a large UK carrier 
Um, and what we've offered is it's called an SME product, but think of it as being for um, medium-sized businesses where instead of offering uh, a product that says here's for your employees and here's a separate product for the company, it enables companies to buy um, appropriate protection for the business and at the same time providing um, cover for their employees, whether it be life cover or, or health cover, um, through one through one central location. Um, now, the attraction of that for the carrier that we worked with is suddenly it's bringing three or four parts of their business together where they've traditionally been offered separately. Um, and if you think about the, the economics of distribution, the ability to price it, the ability to make it look um, interesting and relevant for the company and the employees, all of that was done in, in around 14 weeks, um, you know, from inception to go live. Um, and wow. I think traditional businesses, traditional platforms would really struggle to do that. And can you bring me back then those 14 weeks? Because I, I suppose we have a clear understanding of what the what happened on week 15, say, you know, the end product. But <laughs> what, what what did that process look like? Um, and how is that different, say, from... Uh, I know it, the length of time is different, but how is the actual process? What are the, how are the, what are the steps that take you there? So the, the, I think you, one could argue that the, the process is not dissimilar to um, the way that people do sprints and you know, fast launches um, mm. that has been happening over the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Uh, but I think the difference is, is within um, the first two weeks of designing what is required, you, know, you don't actually write this down in, a, in a, you know, a traditional requirements document that could be 20, 30, 100 pages long. You're actually making it very simple. What does the look and feel and the journey look like? How are you going to distribute it? Is it via a laptop? Is it via an iPad? What are the requirements for pricing the product? Um, and then what does the, you know, the, the document and any administration look like? That all of that is actually gets started to be built in the first week. Um, so that when you're actually going into the, what we would call configuration, the configuration is actually very simple. It's it's a look and feel um, in terms of what does the journey, the questions look like. It's a, a very simple set of uh, rules that are, are input to by actuaries. And then it's the, you know, the documents and the administration setup. All of that is done by, by business people with um, you know, running through it rather than writing big documents, signing those documents off, handing them over. Um, so you, know, you would recognize that as a, as a sprint type basis. But it starts basically from day four, not from um, three or four months in. So is what you're doing in a way a little bit like, you know, like Shopify that enables like retailers to do e-commerce more effectively and without having to hire you know, dozens of IT staff? Is that the kind of the idea? I, I think yeah, I think that's a really, really great way of, of, of summarizing it. And, you know, there, there are a whole range of organizations out there who um are offering different services to um, you know to different sectors, but in very simple terms, if we can make business people get uh, a, a product um, distributed and an, an attractive journey and very easy to build and and create the products without requiring big IT coding, then we've definitely won. Cool. And what's your own background, Trevor? How did you uh, uh, wind up in 
or end up in in Standa? Uh, I, I think if you if you'd asked me that probably three years ago, I would have said I was a lifer, you know, for uh, <laughs> a big insurance company, and you know, I knew what I was doing, and you know, all of the uh, committees, etc. You know, you you fully understand those, and it, it's big, and the it, I will say safe. That's it's, that's a wrong word to use, but um, it, it's comfortable, shall shall I say? But yeah. when you reach a certain stage in your career, you actually start to go, I want to make a difference. And actually, the world feels like it's moving on um, and leaving you behind a little bit. So I started to look at how could we use digital technologies to bring into Swiss Re. Um, and, I, and I met in Standa through that process. Um, and uh, at the end of 2018, um, you know, I was, I was looking to see how I could expand my own knowledge and actually uh, improve what I was trying to do. Um, and it, it became very attractive to go and work uh, within Standard, where they were clearly being successful in the P&C general insurance market. Um, and Tim Hardcastle, the CEO, basically said, uh, look, we're looking to enter the life and health market. Um, why don't you come and A, see if our platform is relevant for that, and then B, drive the business forward. And here I am two years later. Fantastic. And what, what was your, like say, what was your first 90 days like? Uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one. Um, I think, for, firstly, it was one of, of tremendous excitement and, and learning, not just about the business, but actually the realities of, uh, you know, all the things that we've talked about and how do you actually make that work. Um, but I think the second thing was one of shock. Um, you know, you leave, leave a big organization with a support network of people and infrastructure and, dare I say it, funding. Um, so those two things in parallel were 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 a, a, a great um, a great experience, and I think when, once you've been through that sort of thirty sixty day period of oh my goodness what have I let myself in for <laughs> the uh, the flip side of actually this is something really exciting and can seriously make a difference to not just the insurance industry but people's lives um, mm. and you know being a, a little serious for for a moment if we look at uh you know what the, the situations that we find ourselves in and goodness me there's a lot of people working incredibly hard if you if you start to think about what um the insurance sector can do going forward there's a a lot of changes that that inevitably can come out of how can we provide you know better services more relevant for them and the whole concept of a digital platform like in standards has a potential to really make a difference to people's lives by helping big insurance companies, distribution companies engage with people and in you know, and companies in a in a much more flexible and more relevant way to their lives. And you know, if we can play a small part as uh, in that as as we come out of this terrible situation, then then uh, we'd be very pleased to do that. And of course, the the terrible situation you're mentioning is. COVID-19 so we're recording just the start of April 2020 how has your business re- had to react to COVID-19 I assume I assume a lot of the, the usual stuff like working from home but uh, have there been any uh, I was going to say uh, uh, unexpected surprises but the whole thing is unexpected and a surprise but uh, well, has, has anything stood out to you the most over the last couple of weeks um 
Well, I, I think for, firstly, uh, as in line with most businesses, we our number one priority is uh, is is our is our colleagues and uh, and their families. So it, it was very much initially about showing what we do on the tin, i.e., making all of the stuff that is uh, uh, cloud based relevant for for us to work from home. And and I think that was. Um, that was it was a surprise at just how smooth that has gone, um, albeit really? in, in difficult situations. So, you know, genuinely, we've got all of our staff within the space of, you know, a day and a half out of office, safely back at home. Um, uh, and then I think the second thing was, is how do you make sure that services that are relevant for both your uh, your employees and indeed your customers? So. We were able to very quickly get such things as um, uh, videos and mental health um, support for our uh, employees um, available as quickly as as we could. Um, Not saying that uh, people necessarily had problems, but you recognize that this is such a big change that as much support as you can. So I think that the speed with which we were able to do that has surprised me a little bit, but probably shouldn't. Um, mm. I think that the, the, the second thing is actually um, we are definitely engaged now with um, our partners and existing clients and potential new ones in a much more open way than I think was in the past. And it's going to sound strange, but people are definitely engaging faster um, using you know, a whole raft of, of, of internet-based tooling for just meetings, but um, being able to support the existing client base um, and indeed, you know, simple engagement of how can we help. Um, and some of that how can we help is just literally uh, show us what you've got and and actually starting for people to think how can that uh, move forward. Um, and in the cases of existing clients, it's crikey, you, you genuinely are fully up and running and providing a full service for us. Um, and our customers, which is, uh, it, you know, the second most important thing that um, is around. Um, I think as a fi- as a final thing, we're, we're genuinely starting in line with a lot of other companies to think. Actually, it is a it's more than about business; it's about the community. Um, mm. So, you know, just simple things like, you know, we've got a store of old laptops that, you know, you'd look at and you go, "Oh, I can't do anything with those," but you know, you've got local families who haven't got internet access and haven't got a you know a, a capability to for their children to do online stuff so we've started to look at things like well actually let's just clean those old laptops and they might not be the fastest or or the quote sexiest but actually they will provide a useful thing for you know local schools and that that i think is 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 something that if we're being honest we probably we're on a journey of um, we raised around 20 million, you know, a month or so ago of, of a journey of right, where's our next growth coming from. It's definitely made us pause and think about the local community. Mm. It's good timing raising that round when you did. Uh, y- y- yes. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's what it's enabled us to do is to, um, uh, you know, to, to have, the certainty over a, a you know a difficult period for for what we're doing mm. um inevitably uh, at a point in time when we come out of this 
it will go back to in speech marks business as usual in the sense of um, growing the business um, uh, and I think the combination of having funding but also uh, I think organizations will start to look at how they can do things differently which you know at the top of the interview you asked me about of how will people look to provide services to those who perhaps in the past um, wouldn't have been able to get insurance so it, it, it's it's an opportunity and it gives a little bit of um, comfort for, for for the next couple of months or so yeah and uh, how are because I'm, I'm assuming that your customers are you know relatively big businesses but i'm wondering do you use any kind of smaller suppliers that might be um struggling a little bit and what have you heard from them uh most of our if i'm being honest we we're either partnered with um uh you know big, big um, insurance companies big distributor companies or we've got you know partners with uh big consulting firms um so i think the the the, the answer to your question is less so on the supplier side but um, what has been very interesting is we've had a number of uh, startups um, approach us and we, and we continue to do so. But actually, um, you know, the question of, of how can we support them with their fundraising and their um, regulatory approvals and all of that, we, we've actually had a number of, of, of startup organizations approach us um, and, and actually say, given what you do, you may be able to help us address the questions that the investors and the regulator are asking um so that that has actually been a little bit of an eye-opener for me personally and it's not something that i've done an awful lot in the past but you know certainly i'm finding talking to a carrier to introduce them to um uh, to a, a new startup and a fund you know the, the the investors behind it to give some certainty about the platform the flexibility and the costs and and helping on that side so that that actually has been an, an interesting and uh, a positive experience, um, albeit in very difficult circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was wondering if we could talk about some of the innovations in life and health. And one one of the one one of the ones I'm personally interested in is um, the innovations that IoT will bring. Um, and the reason why I'm interested in it is because I'm you know I'm I like I'm interested in keeping fit and uh, all that kind of stuff, but I've never purchase like a smartwatch or anything like that because i'm <laughs> kind of nervous around the data side yes um and I, maybe that's just me i don't know uh but i just wonder like if we project forward say 10 years like what will the collection have of all that uh, data from smartwatches and things like that what will that have enabled for clients well i think i think the first thing is you are not unique in being a little nervous about data and uh, use of personal data for um, insurance purposes, um, but if you if you look now, you've got organisations like Vitality who are using, you know, do a thousand steps and those kind of things, um, and that's already being used to um, adjust uh, the premiums for for, uh, uh, for for customers in the same way that um, you know black boxes is being uh, has been used now for five or so years for, for, for cars. So I think that general trend will continue. Um, the, 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 the counter to it is once you start getting into medical information, um, people quite rightly get nervous about what is available and what is being used. So 
I, I think it's going to be a trend of using it for um, things like heart rates and uh, let's say sweat levels and that kind of thing. I, I think where it will there will be a, a natural tension between the ability of the technology to uh, to collect data and people's reluctance to uh, actually make that available is once you start getting into uh, you know sort of more genetic type um, background of, of information. So hmm. it, the trend will continue. It will definitely. Uh, moved like the black box um, side of things, um, and you know, in in, all, in countries like Japan and, and Asia, where people are more comfortable using mobile phones and that that kind of technology, that's already happening. Um, really? Uh, yes. So, but I think the where the immediate change is going to happen is we traditionally buy insurance in a block. So. Uh, I'll buy insurance for a year or a, a life product for a term of, say, 10 years or whatever. Um, I, I think people are already starting to look into subscription models and um, turn on, turn off. So if you take your travel insurance, you don't necessarily buy a 12-month travel insurance package now. You might buy it for two days or a week or whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, that that ability to offer products that are relevant for people's lives so if you take health example um, you may not buy a full health package but you might buy something let's say you're over 60 and you're worried about knees hips or whatever you might buy a package that is relevant for that um, and your technology of how active are you your heart rate would certainly um, be relevant for buying and for the premiums that would come off the back of that so i think a package of what is being offered, how it is being bought rather than a traditional annual policy and the use and combination of the technology for how active, how, you know, what your heart rates and things, that's definitely moving forward at, at, at a pace. The, the wider let me collect, you know, more personalized, more detailed me medical data, there's a, there's a bit of a journey to go through and it's not a technological one. It's a, it's a journey of, uh, who owns data and the, all of the ethics behind it, and that's one I think for other people to to work their way through, not uh, not somebody like myself. <laughs> and um, so, like, as someone who's been in the life and health industry for you know a couple of years, what are some of the, like the practices you know that we just take as normal that we'll be looking back on and thinking this this is just totally arcane? How did we ever work like this? Like, have you ever thought about that? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the, the 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 whole idea of I buy a policy once a year and, it, you know, we make it very difficult with here's a long list of questions and and you may or may not get the policy. And then when you want to make a, a claim, you phone somebody up and you get a reference number and that takes you to somebody else. I, I think that that whole... Um, unattractive process will definitely move away. I mean, you, you, when you buy a book on, on online anymore, you, you never thought of, 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 right, I'll place an order, I'll get a receipt, and then I'll go and pick it up from somewhere it might get delivered five days later. We, we, don't, we don't even think about it anymore. We click, we order, we buy, it turns up. Um, and I think 
the you know a lot of the insurance sector will move down that that route and and if you look at car insurance house insurance um even things like um changing your you know your gas and electricity and combining that with an insurance package i, I think that will that whole process of buying and servicing is archaic and will will definitely get smoother as as we go forward i think the second thing is is this concept of the same thing for everyone so you know here's a life insurance and and if you're 20 um, or you're 60 it's the same thing um and you know mm, health in, ha- health insurance you know if i'm if i'm 25 to 35 what am i worried about i'm worried about i'm going to fall over playing football and break a leg or something if i'm 65 75 you know i'm my mother is a classic example cataracts you know she's she's worried about a cataracts her knees and hips um so this this one size fits all um uh, i think we will you know we will definitely see that uh change um and i think the final thing i would say is is it, it, the parlance at the moment is affinity groups but you know, people underestimate the power that they have when they're in a uh, a society, or you know, the, the army and the navy. They 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 have very different needs than the rest of us who are you know operating in day to day life. So this concept of groups having power to um, require specific solutions, um, I think the sector itself is already looking at that, but but that is something that that will move um, as we go forward. And you know, people who are working in the gig economy or employed in different ways, they, that's a diff- definitely a area that um, will require different solutions. And and I think the sector will move to doing that. Cool. I thought we might um, finish up with just a question about some things that you're uh, working on right now. So, like, what what are some of the opportunities that you're looking at that you're most excited about? So I, I think for, for for myself, they fit into three. Um, what one is very much around startups and and getting them going, and we talked about that. Um, at the other end um, is is working with um, companies and small medium businesses. Um, of how do you actually now make that whole process of uh, of, of servicing the company and, and employees in a, in a much more seamless and integrated way? And um, you know, I've already mentioned to you a big organisation that we've just gone live for a, a, a small medium enterprise um, solution. I think that uh, that's a really exciting arena because suddenly um, people in the workplace, whether they're full time employed part-time employed or indeed contractors being able to provide um, services solutions directly for your employees as part of your in- engagement model however that may be that that is a tremendously exciting uh, area that we're working with uh, actually in the UK Latin America and Japan so we've got three exciting opportunities that we're working on in, in that um, and then I think that the final area is actually how are you making um, products and services in a more bundled way that are relevant for people's life stages, lifestyles and life requirements. Um, and we're seeing a number of organizations trying it out. Um, I won't say, uh, you know, going at full scale at the moment, but certainly trying out um, how you combine advice, solution um, and a, uh, you know, a product offering that, that 
doesn't necessarily mean you buy everything for one year and um, you know you pay a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds or whatever it is. Um, so we're seeing those three areas as being quite exciting for us as we go forward. Thanks, Trevor. So where can people go to find out more about you? Um, so I, I'm um, we're, obviously we've got our, our own website, which is in standard.com. Um, uh, the easiest way to get hold of me is uh, is 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 via that. We we're on Facebook, um, um, and then um, I will give you an email address that people can get hold of me on, which is trevor.davis at instander.com. Um, and I'd be delighted to uh, be in a pick up and uh, follow up with anybody who has any thoughts or questions. Super stuff, Trevor. Well, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, best of luck with everything coming up. Connor, that's been a pleasure, and uh, and uh, I, I do hope all of your listeners are, are safe and uh, and get through this difficult period. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn, and please visit our website, insuretechireland.org. See you next week.